All right, welcome to the conversation on the TYT Network. Uh, well, uh, you know that a lot of the money that went in the stimulus packages went to the uh, top corporations in the world. But what kind of companies did it go to? Well, we're going to bring in Jesse Eisinger. He is a senior reporter and editor at ProPublica, uh, and he has written about this. Um, and uh, the, one of his articles is called The Bailout is Working for the Rich. He's also got a book, and I can't tell you the full name of it, but... The the Chicken Poop Club, uh, why the Justice Department fails to prosecute executives. So uh, that's fun. Uh, Jesse, uh, first of all, um, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. The articles you wrote are really edifying. Uh, you talk about how a lot of the money went to private equity companies. For folks who are unfamiliar, what is a private equity company? And why did the money go there? And why is it wrong for it to go there? Sure. And uh, well done on the book title. Uh, I've heard many iterations of it on uh, public, you know, the public airwaves. So thank you. Uh, well, a private equity firm, they uh, used to be known as corporate raiders or LBO firms. They came about largely came to sort of the public consciousness in the 80s when they were uh, funded by the likes of Michael Milken. Um, and today, they're established corporations with respectable names like Blackstone and Carlyle and KKR, and they take over companies and own companies. What they primarily do is take companies private uh, from the public markets or take family-run businesses and buy them, and they buy them with a thin slice of equity. So they're putting a little bit of their own money in, and then they borrow the rest of it. So it's highly leveraged. It's highly indebted. And these companies are therefore quite vulnerable to any kind of downturn, like, say, a global pandemic hits. Um, but what happens when they win, they win big for the equity holders. So the returns are extremely good. And that's why these companies have really thrived. And what I mean by the companies is the private equity companies, because the companies that are owned by private equity companies don't thrive at all. They certainly don't thrive by uh, helping their workers, but they often just go bankrupt and belly up. Hertz is a fine example of that, which we saw go bankrupt last week, uh, file for bankruptcy last week. That is the kind of industry that has been dominated by private equity ownership for decades now. Yeah, and we've talked a little bit about it on the show before, and uh, not every uh, company there is a bad actor, but there are some institutional problems uh, when you, especially on the companies that load up a, a, a company or corporation that they buy uh, with debt and take some of that debt and put it in their pocket. Well, now you've set up a situation where the company has a much more difficult uh, chance of recovery. And a lot of people don't know. That's why a lot of the major retailers went out of business, not because of the online competition, but because they were bought by private equity and loaded up with debt. Um, now, so given that that is a business model, uh, it's understandable why we'd be worried about corporate debt. And we were worried about corporate debt. And on the Young Turks, we were talking about the problems of co uh, corporate debt. Nomi Prince was on warning about the problems of corporate debt even before coronavirus happened and the initial stock market crash happened. So now what the crash happens, when they do the bailouts, Jesse, where does it go? How does it get to the Apollos and the Blackstones of the world? Yeah, it, you're exactly right. And 
you can put aside the arguments about whether it's good or bad, uh, the industry of private equity, for a moment now, um, and we can get back to that for a second, because what we're talking about here is the federal government's response to the bailout, uh, response to the coronavirus crisis, which is a bailout. And uh, we have bailed out the capital markets. We've bailed out investors and capital. And we've also bailed out workers. And I don't want to minimize the amount of money that's gone to workers for expanded unemployment and the stimulus checks because it's unprecedented. It's huge amounts, much more than we did in the stimulus in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. But the Federal Reserve, the Fed, the central bank, is putting much, much more money into the capital markets than anything compared to workers. And what they're also doing, which is really incredible, is they've said, our help is unlimited. So what we're doing with workers is we have given uh, them limited time and limited money. Um, it ex the expanded unemployment expires in July. And for capital, we have given unlimited money with no conditions zero conditions, much, much more money than workers. So that's the fundamental problem here. And then as an ancillary problem, some of that Fed money is going to private equity uh, through its bailout of the riskiest debt markets, the junk bond market. And that's really what I think is problematic from the Fed response. So there's layers of this. So Jesse, when they bail out a normal corporation, let's say it hurts, uh, well, the money's going to flow to the owner of Hertz, which is the private equity company, right? Yeah. Um, and so if it, the markets were working normally, they would not get a bailout under capitalism. Under capitalism, they would not get a bailout and, and Hertz would go under. And if enough of the Hertz's went under, the private equity company that owns it would then go under. Why? Because they bought a company that couldn't survive under these situations. And by the way, a lot of good companies can't survive under these situations, but the ones going under first are usually the ones that had trouble to begin with. And so that, that's another issue. But there's another layer to the problem that you're pointing out, which is that they're now buying junk bonds or really risky assets. So Jesse, break that down. In 2008, when they, uh, didn't they also buy toxic assets? Uh, and are, is there a, a, an extra layer here in how toxic these particular assets are? Uh, it's it's a good question. What the Fed did for the first time in the wake of 2008 is buy assets, but they bought assets they, they were somewhat familiar with. They bought mortgages, um, kind of debt assets that were um, very similar in kind to the kinds of things that they had been doing before. Historically, it was treasuries. Then they expanded to mortgage assets, and that was the center of our financial crisis, was uh, our housing market, as you remember. Here, what they're doing is they've expanded this to something absolutely new, which is corporate debt. In fact, they haven't done a lot of it. They've just said they're going to do it. But by merely having said they're going to do it, they have buoyed the markets, both debt markets and the stock market, as we can all say. So it's been an extraordinarily successful program for the Fed so far. So what they've done is they haven't just said they were going to buy the, the safest corporate debt, AAA debt. Um, what they've said is we're going to go down, down, down to the riskier debt and the riskier debt to junk bonds, and we're going to buy junk bonds. And this is kind of astonishing. We're going to buy the crappiest, most indebted companies, 
and we're going to buy unlimited amounts of that. And you can trust us that we are going to step in and save these markets if they get shaky. That merely by saying that they have uh, boosted the stocks of private equity firms. They've boosted the bond market. They have allowed companies to issue massive amounts of debt. Um, it's been a boon for investors all over the world. And the reason why this is really risky is we are putting much more debt onto already risky companies, just like what Nomi was saying to you uh, a few months ago. Those companies were risky then, they're riskier now. We've got a worse economy. And the Fed has basically said, we're going to insure these companies. We're gonna guarantee that. And so the money flows, as you say, from the bond market into the pockets of the private equity firms in a variety of ways. and. That's not helping workers. It's not helping keep people in their jobs, and it's not helping make uh, allow people to bridge the gap from this unemployment period to when the economy recovers. It's just helping lining the pockets of many private equity firm owners who are billionaires. So, Jesse, they're also killing capitalism, um, and ironically, the Republicans killed capitalism because. Look, let's think about it this way. If you have a safe company that you're investing in, and let's say you make a 2% return, which would be very low, right? But, um, you know, and you've taken a certain amount of risk, very little risk to get that return, or you could put it into a really risky company and make a 20% return. Well, if the federal government and the Federal Reserve says, don't worry, no one's ever going to go out of business, we're the insurance of last resort, then you'd be an idiot to not put it into junk bonds, because you're gonna make 20%. So why the hell would you put it into a safe company? You'd put it in the worst company you could imagine to make as high a return as you can, because if it goes south, the Federal Reserve's gonna buy it anyway. Am I missing anything about that, or did they just completely and utterly kill capitalism? Uh, we, we really have transformed uh, the economy now, and we have socialism for the wealthy uh, in this country. And we learned that in 2008 when the federal government bailed out the banks and didn't punish any bankers. That's what my book is about, is the lack of accountability, elite impunity, the fact that we can't punish or prosecute uh, CEOs in this country anymore. Um, we did have a series of financial reforms that were going to protect the capital markets from just this kind of risk. And then we they blow up again, and they're so fragile that we have, the Fed has to step in and bail out these markets again. We have an extraordinarily broken financial system, capital market system, and economy, and this is just displaying that. It's on display here. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Eisinger, thank you so much. Appreciate it. One more question. Um, Jesse, uh, what on God's green earth does it mean for the Fed to buy something? Can they sell it later? And what if they can't sell it later? Does it just disappear into a black hole? <laughs> it's a good question. They uh, People were really worried about them uh, buying all these assets and not being able to sell them. Uh, and then over the last decade, they were really able to reduce their balance sheet. Um, now the balance sheet has exploded again. They bought all these assets again, and we're going to see. Um, you know, I, it's likely that the taxpayer is going to take some loss here. Um, so what that means is when the Fed goes to sell, they're going to sell for less money than they paid for it. And the idea, if if that were a good thing to do, if they were stepping in to really save the markets 
and that was trickling down to the rest of us, then I would say that's fine for the Fed to take a loss in order to save the capital markets and save the economy. The problem is who's benefiting and who's not benefiting. We do want to save workers in a terrible pandemic that's thrown 30, 40 million people out of work through no fault of their own. Uh, what we don't need to do is be saving billionaires and ignoring those workers. And so but, taking a loss there is okay. I, I don't know that I agree with that, uh, funny enough. Uh, I'm, I, like, wh what does it mean for the Fed to take a trillion dollar loss, as an example? A billion, a million, a trillion, it, what difference does it make? It, may, it does make a difference. But uh, if they took it, let's say that the losses added up to a trillion dollars, I literally don't know what happens next. I mean, no one really knows what happens next. It's a completely valid question. The Fed can print money so they can keep on printing and we pay our debts back in uh, dollars because we, you know, we print dollars and we pay it back in our own currency. So uh, there might be a little bit of inflation. Um, people have worried about the dollar value collapsing and inflation, but uh, for the last decade, hasn't materialized at all. So I'm much less worried about the Fed taking those kind of risks and uh, excess debt in uh, American the American government. I'm much more worried that we are going to emerge from this having uh, reinforced all of the inequality that we built up before the 2008 crisis and that has only expanded in the decades since, um, which is manifesting itself in our politics and everywhere in every corner of society and certainly in the markets. Uh, and that's the thing that I, I'm really worried about. If the Fed were stepping in to ameliorate that by helping workers, it would be okay for the Fed to eventually take losses, I think. But you're right that uh, it's an un people are worried about it. Uh, just the fact that it, what's true is that the central bank worries is kind of excess debt buying that they've done for the last decade didn't materialize into any problems. All right. Jesse Eisinger, senior reporter and editor at ProPublica. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. All right, back on the conversation. Joining us now, Alex Salmon. Uh, he is a staff writer at the American uh, Prospect, and he has written about the Small Business Administration and how they are conducting themselves in handing out some of the stimulus uh, funding uh, that, that got, recently got passed. Alex, uh, welcome to uh, the conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So, Alex, uh, what is the normal job of the Small Business Administration and what did they do in this case instead? Well, the Small Business Administration is, is generously put as a, as a backwater of the federal government. It's a, it's a very minor administration. Um, they have about 4,000 employees. And on the average, you know, the average day uh, of the SBA, they'll be doling out um, economic injury loans. So in case of natural disasters or something like that, um, they can provide bridge funding to small businesses to get them through a disaster. And, and the bulk of what they do beyond that is, is, is to offer loans to minority and women entrepreneurs. So they offer often pretty favorable terms on small loans for small business owners and um, with the idea of, of kind of expanding the, the, the base of, of entrepreneurship in this country. It's a fairly marginal operation, um, but they do 
dole out a couple billion dollars in, in loans every year, and, and that does have some impact on the greater business community in this country. So um, if they're helping small business rather than big business, and especially if they're helping minority-owned businesses, their budget must be getting cut uh, under Republicans. Is that true? That's right. Yeah, that's kind of been the story of the Small Business Administration for, for decades now. So um, you can go back under under Obama, under Bush, under Clinton, um, as you go back through various both Republican and Democratic administrations, uh, down through Reagan, you, you see attempts basically to get rid of the, of the SBA in its entirety. And so sometimes it's a Republican-led Congress and bring it, you know, a Democratic president trying to get rid of it. Other times it's, it's all hands on deck, and there have been various attempts to get rid of it um, and, and to defund it or to otherwise defang it and prevent it from, from you know, being a, a functional agency. And a lot of those attempts have been you know, more or less successful, so that, that's kind of how we've arrived at the, uh, at the SBA we have today. I mean, even that little statement there shows you exactly what's wrong with American politics. There is no end to how full of crap uh, Republican politicians are uh, saying, oh, yeah, small business, backbone of the country. We love small business. Uh, everything we do is for small business. Cut the small business funding. No one cares. Uh, I mean, why? Because they get all their campaign donations from big business, not small business. And then, uh, but as you mentioned, both uh, sets of administrations, Republican and Democratic, have been doing it. Why? Because... They also take money from big businesses, Democrats do. So, uh, and, and it's also what's wrong with the media. So outside of publications like American Prospect, The Intercept and others, uh, nobody covers it. They're like, oh yeah, corporate Democrats, they're awesome. Uh, when they give away to all of our money to the big business and screw over small business. Anyway, in this case, thank God it survived, because it, in this case, is actually giving out money to small businesses. But um, how's that being executed? Yeah, so when Congress convened to, to write the CARES Act and, and you know provide relief uh, for the coronavirus crisis, they decided to tap the SBA to disperse a, a massive amount of funding to save small businesses, and not only to save them, but also to save the employees of those businesses, many of whom have been laid off or furloughed or seen their hours cut. And so uh, they, they, the Congress decided to use the SBA to, to, uh, to disgorge $350 billion in, in loans forgivable loans with the idea that it would save small business, it would save the employees of small businesses, it would you know, more or less stabilize the economy through this period of, of, of widespread shutdowns. Um, and from the very beginning, you know, a, a, an agency with 4,000 people is not in a position to dole out that sort of money with, with rapid, you know, with, with absolutely rapid speed. So there have been a number of issues. Some of them have been well cataloged in media. Others have been kind of uh, less attended to, but the, the kind of cascading scandals that we saw with the passage of the CARES Act, a lot of that outrage was directed at the SBA and at this uh, particular program, um, which was there to, in, in some ways, was the last line of defense uh, between 50% of the economy and and uh, an extinction level event. So um, that was, you know, that's why we've seen some more attention paid to this administration that I think, you know, two months ago, none of us had, had ever even heard of. Right. Uh, and then they ran out of money and then they reloaded. Um, and how has it been since they reloaded, Alex? It's interesting because the first round of funding, there was $349 billion. They ran out of money in 13 days. I mean, you know, the, it was a, a blink of an eye and the money was gone. And most of it 
or I shouldn't say most of it, but much of it went to businesses that were not so needy. There were, you know, businesses that were large businesses, businesses that had billion dollar valuations, businesses that had close connections to the Trump administration. Um, but that was phase one. Money was money was gone too fast. There wasn't enough of it, and, and many small business owners were hung out to dry. I think only five percent of small businesses got money in the first round. So Congress then appropriated more money in the second round, um, uh, hundreds of billions more in the second round. But by this time, there was so much uh, confusion as to what the rules were for loan forgiveness and how they would be applied and, and, and when business owners could use that money that they were so wary to accept it that now it's been weeks and weeks since that second round of funding has arrived and they still haven't run out of money. So initially there was concern, well, it's not enough money. It's going to be gone in two days. There was a report that it would be gone in two days. And now weeks later, there's still money and business owners are actually afraid to take it because they don't know if, if they might accidentally violate the loan forgiveness clauses, if they might commit bank fraud uh, unknowingly. And, and, and the kind of shifting parameters of this program have, have now mean that actually there's more money than there is demand, which is a, a, you know, a different concern, but a, a major one unto itself. And I'm sure that the giant multinational corporations uh, that are taking the lion's share of the money from the taxpayers, they're also concerned about all these things, right? I mean, because uh, as soon as it's over, they're going to crack down on all the small businesses. Uh, but obviously, I'm being facetious because there's no way in the world they'll ever crack down on big business, right? Right. And so you, you see in this program all, all the, the structural favoritism of this economy and so obviously the SBA can't give the loans out you know, by itself with 4,000 employees, so they contract it out to the banks. Well, the banks, uh, when they get that money, who are they going to give it to? They're going to give it to the people, the clients that they have the most robust relationships with, and they can get the biggest loans. So obviously large corporations, and in this case, you know, it was Shake Shack or Ruth's Chris Steakhouse or uh, any number of kind of large or large restaurant chains. There were uh, large car dealership chains, you name it, they have the closest relationship to the banks. So the banks hook them up with the money. The banks get five, you know, they get a nice tidy fee for their trouble. And th those two groups make out like bandits. And, and you know, the others left behind is the people who are are small businesses with small, you know, small bank accounts and, and don't have that kind of concierge service that, that these uh, large corporations have. And so that's kind of the, the system you end up with where everything is right in their corner of the world. And, and for a lot of other people, there's, there's, there's nothing. So Alex, uh, when we come out of this, let's hope, um, what do you think is going to happen to the small business administration next? And what do you think is going to happen to some of the small companies that took the money? Do you think they're going to be okay? Or is this, or is there going to be some, uh, fervor to, and here's my guess. Uh, to crack down on the smallest possible companies so that they could give the appearance of being tough on people uh, who took money and didn't do the right things with it while leaving alone the main culprits of that, their donors in, in the big business community. Right. Yeah, we're already seeing a little bit of what this might look like in the future. So uh, Marco Rubio, who actually wrote the provision that allowed uh, – for Shake Shack and, and Ruth Chris and some of these most flagrant uh, uh, abusers of this program to, to, to take that money and to be first in line and take those maximum loans. Uh, he is now calling for an investigation into, into uh, local Planned Parenthood chapters 
that received money on the grounds that they're too close to their national, the national organization, and therefore it's an abuse of the program. And so you kind of see this very much how this could go, this kind of cynical call for investigation and accountability that, of course, is never uh, that standard is, is never held to uh, for, for, for large corporations, but to these smaller businesses and the kind of uh, the you know the 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 accountability that we will see, of course, is going to be highly unbalanced and will be highly politically motivated. And I think we're starting to see the beginning of that already. So it's definitely a concern and something to keep an eye out for. Um, obviously, the, the cynicism of those things is uh, to be anticipated, but also still alarming and and oftentimes just ridiculous. So. It's, it's something to keep track of, for sure. Yeah. Uh, one more thing about that. Uh, so a as they uh, do this, um, let's talk about the, the magnitude of it, uh, because we've got uh, about $9 trillion. Even the Trump administration people are referring to it as $9 trillion that was giving out stimulus money. $4 trillion of that uh, is the Federal Reserve saying, don't worry. If you're a big business, we'll buy anything, including junk bonds, right? Uh, and so you don't ever wor wor have to worry about capitalism. We got socialism for the rich as far as the eye can see. But you have a sense of scale. That's $4 trillion they're going to print and give to their friends if need be, right? In the form of loans, except for the junk bonds, which might not be loans at all. Then we might just have to eat that. So what is the budget of the Small Business Administration uh, comparatively? I'm curious. Yeah, so we'll, the, the, the Paycheck Protection Program, which is what we've been talking about so far, has uh, about $669 billion appropriated for it, I, I believe. Um, in a regular year, the SBA does about $30 billion in loans. For, for 4,000 employees, it, its budget is quite, it's quite small, um, you know, and, and, and it's smaller all the time. And so uh, Jovita Carranza, who's the, the head of the administration currently, um, in, in February was advocating for a 20% budget cut, even while coronavirus was, you know, very much a part of, of our social fabric. So, you know, we're talking about a very small agency with, with, that, that's very much underfunded. And it could be, you know, it could be an effective agency. You know, if we did decide to, to balloon that budget to billions of dollars to hire staff uh, to do these sorts of things, it could be it could be a real player in, 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 in governance. But as it stands currently, it's it's next to nothing, and compared to the, to yeah, the the nine trillion dollars or the four trillion dollars in in corporate bailout money that's available through the Fed, it's 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 basically a rounding error. So it's it's yeah, it's orders of magnitude in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So not even the 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 emergency money, nine trillion dollars overall, six hundred sixty nine billion for small business is about seven percent, if I've done the math right in my head, uh, and so. And the $30 billion they normally can give out, compared to the trillions that the Federal Reserve can print and give to large businesses at any time, is nothing, nothing at all. So uh, that gives you a sense of the perspective and the, and the priorities of American politicians. Um, and we're told by the rest of corporate media that it is a wild, wild coincidence that all those politicians happen to be funded by those same giant businesses. Well, we'll have to take their word for it. All right, Alex Salmon writes with American Prospect, and he does not take their word for it. Uh, good story on the SBA, and thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much.